0: Well, we all have a pandemic story, but not very often you hear one that goes like this. When the pandemic propagated through the world and sort of all of our lives were sort of flipped upside down, the economy changed in ways that no one seemed to be able to understand or predict. Some people lost their jobs. Many had to work at home. And few were going anywhere, definitely not traveling. And you would think that a nurse would be in high demand during that time. But this wasn't the case for Donovan Lucibello. He's a nurse. He refers to himself actually as Nurse Ratchet. Not the one from the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but a ratchet and socket-wielding nurse fixing his own motorcycles. Anyway, uh, Donovan came up with a plan when he found himself out of work. He decided he'd finish an adventure to Alaska that he had started two years before. Now, just how he would pull that off... What the Alaskans would think of him when he arrived And what he would do if anything went wrong Well, all that coming up I'm Jim Martin, this is Adventure Rider Radio Stay with us, we got a good one for you I'm Sam Mannequin Ted Simon Simon Pabee Brian Phil Jocelyn Snow Charlie Borman Simon Thomas Lisa Thomas Grant Johnson Jimmy Lewis Elspeth Liz Jansen And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio Before we get started, I want to thank these fine companies that helped get this episode out today. It's wind pressure that powers the Motobreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters. CyclePump.com so you use this moniker nurse ratchet what is that all about
1: uh just as a kid like all my bicycles were always um scrapped together and so I, was, I, I i got good at like kind of like learning the mechanics of have to rather than the mechanics of want to um and like i said my own motorcycle wrenching has come a long way, uh, with, with the help of others, I've learned quite a bit about these specifics of wrenching on bikes. Um, and then just being a nurse, um, just put all of that weirdness together into, oh, <laughs> into one name. So yeah, that, I that's was thinking it, it
0: was something to do with like, maybe you were a, a tough love type of nurse or I wasn't oh, quite no, sure, no, but no, I no. see it has nothing to do no, with that. It has totally to that, do with you <laughs> being a nurse and now a wrencher.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and actually, it, it is the same name. Uh, I didn't come up with it. Uh, originally, but it's the same name of the nurse from the uh, story. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, and she happens to be a very uncompassionate person. So, okay, so that's um, where it
0: comes from in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: So I, so I don't mean to sound so, uh, so tough and hard to, um, uh, hard to approach and um, interact with. But right. just it, it just was. It kind of just put all of my weirdness into one cool name. So yeah, yeah. you don't
0: sound like that. <laughs> you don't sound like a nurse ratchet. But you certainly sound like no. now that you've. Explained- that you do sound like a nurse ratchet. I get it. I get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a nurse who likes a ride and happens to uh, find themselves collecting uh, bikes that need help. Right. <laughs> Shall I say? I'm Donovan, and I am from the Queen City of the Rockies, Helena, Montana, and I am a nurse. What's your last name? Uh, Lucibello. Donovan Lucibello.
0: Lucibello. Mm-hmm. You, um, you say you're a biker again after many years of not riding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of
1: grew up riding uh, bicycles and uh, just in the neighborhood, Um, none of the kids really wanted to do the kind of woods riding that I wanted to do. So I found myself doing it by myself. And so you you tend to be rough on equipment as a young man. And a lot of my bikes um, were either uh, created from, you know, parts that people, other bike frames or pieces and parts people would be throwing away or just, you know, or just rebuilt from the same kind of of uh, stock. Uh, and a bike just always kind of r- represented the freedom of movement. And I just always loved being outside. I always loved being in the woods. Um, it was a rural place where I grew up and has since kind of, uh, changed now. Um, I, I would not even recognize it if I went back there has been quite, quite a few years. And, uh, it was just from that. And then I remember my father one day brought home a, a Honda trail 90, and I probably took that bike on some places that I don't think Honda intended for a Trail 90 to go, but they would have been pretty proud <laughs> had they seen, <laughs> had just they seen describe that. Describe the Trail 90. Uh, yeah. So it's it, it, it's that classic Honda horizontal engine where the cylinder kind of hangs out front there. Um, and it's a, it's a step-through frame with the milk crate footprint of a rack on the back and it's actually kind of made to just take that on there uh, and this one had a knobby tire up front and a knobby tire in the back uh, chain drive then once i just taught myself how to shift and stop and start i was pretty much gone i had j- just always represented the ability to sort of uh put distance between um you know between myself and just getting away to just the places that I really love to ride.
0: So it was your, it was your total adventure machine. I think the trail 90 was on the ad. You meet the nicest people in a Honda.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm not sure if I was the nicest people I, anyone ever met, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, definitely a testament to Honda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tons of adventure there as a kid. So w- you, and was that your motorcycling?
1: Yeah. So I got out of it. Um, so my mother's actually born, um, in uh, Canada uh, and so I did lose a cousin to a motorcycle accident uh, when I was pretty young, and I got away from the Trail 90. I'm not even sure what happened to it um, when we when we moved. It probably got sold or something. Uh, and so I just kind of shied away from bikes for a long, long time. I was always kind of uh, scared of them, uh, seeing the impact that it had on my own life. But I remember when I joined the military, um, I needed a second vehicle and one that I could actually um, afford. And I was stationed in Monterey, um, California. And so it's uh, it's pretty nice there um, all year round. If it rained maybe more than three days in the year, I do not recall, but it was a great place to get back onto a motorcycle. And uh, to ride on base, we had to take the Motorcycle Safety Foundation course. And I thought that was the most ridiculous thing until I learned how many bad habits I had to unlearn <laughs> and I really appreciated the rider training and I've been the biggest advocate for it, uh, since then. Yeah. So I actually got back into motorcycles later in life, um, took my motorcycle overseas and my um, household goods when I was stationed in uh, Germany. Uh, and then from there, just sort of, uh, lost touch with it again. I had lent it to somebody, uh, and they did not take care of it. <laughs> then it was rendered, um, not roadworthy, shall we say. And then it just was many, many years again. Um, so now as a dad, when I had, um, small kids, we got into kayaking, um, just was a real great way to get kids out into the outdoors and just was a family activity that everyone could do because you're pretty much just steering, right? You're not, we're, we're really trying to set any kind of records and just kind of just floating. And as long, you know, as, as long as the bag of cherries got uh, passed around, everyone was happy. Hmm. So presented a problem was, is where you put the boat in and where you take the boat out. So I, thought of uh, something that was, I wanted to just go onto Craigslist and see if I can find a $500 scooter. And I did. And, uh, then I started riding this thing and I was like, this is so much fun. I had forgotten how much fun it was. And I sort of just felt like I should reconnect with my earlier roots of getting back onto two wheels and the freedom that I found in it. And I remember just riding down the Pacific coast highway with my, with my newlywed wife, uh, then, and we've been married 23 years now. Um, So I just really wanted to get back into it, but I didn't really know there was such a thing as dual sport motorcycle riding. I always thought that there was bikes for the street and bikes for the dirt. And that was kind of that hard line that was drawn. Um, and, uh, when I found out that that wasn't true, um, I, I got onto a forum of other, of other like-minded uh, users who had the same bike. And I just really just fell in, fell in love with it. started reading a lot of ride reports and, um, you know, just accounts of other people's trips. And I, I just really kind of got that wanderlust uh, reignited. And and that was something that I really wanted to do.
0: You made a jump there from kayaks to put in, you lost me there. You, you were kayaking oh, and then you, yeah. you, you're getting to the put in. How do you get your kayak on the scooter, especially with the kids?
1: Oh yeah. So the prime mover and the trailer would get parked, uh, downstream at the takeout. Sorry, Jim. Uh, yeah. And then I would just motor back on up to the put in, um, on the scooter and oh, I could just kind of nice just, to- um, lock it up. So everyone is there. And while my wife is getting, getting the sunscreen on the kids and everyone's getting all their peanuts and whatever kind of snacks <laughs> that they need for the float, uh, I'm, I'm able to move the truck downstream so that we right, can then the take shuttle. out Right. Doing the shuttle. Yeah. Right. So the portage, yeah. So the portage problem, uh, was solved by a scooter and the scooter was the gateway drug getting me back in, in uh, to motorcycling. And the scooter yes.
0: was small enough to go into the trailer or something.
1: It was, yeah, it was just, just a small displacement, uh, just can pr- pretty much just throw it right on the front of the trailer there.
0: Wow. Right. And so that, that's interesting. So it, it wasn't anything done on purpose, just you riding that scooter back and forth was enough to sort of rekindle it for you.
1: Yeah. And then I was actually going to nursing school at the time. And so it just was like a like parking was a breeze (laughs) Um, on campus. It could be pretty difficult. So parking was very, very easy. Um, And they and whereas vehicles had to purchase a parking pass, motorcycles didn't. And so a scooter qualified as a motorcycle. And so I just really kind of found all of the benefits, you know, 60 miles to the gallon. And I mean, it, it just turned out to be that revisiting of a very fond memory as a kid. And it just got me, got me back into it. And of course, we just have so many beautiful, um, fire roads and other kind of trails here in the Rocky Mountain West. Um, it, it, it just kind of was always like uh, well, what's over that hill and where does that, where does that trail go? And I'm going to need something, uh, that's, that's more biased for the dirt to actually find out. And so, yeah, it just, it just kind of took off from there.
0: In 2018, you decided that you, you wanted to take a ride. Now, now before we get into that, have you ever done any overnight trips on your motorcycles before in the past or anything?
1: Very few. Uh, very few. No, this was sort of like um, reaching a critical mass point. <laughs> so, I graduated nursing school in uh, 2018, and it was also our 20th wedding anniversary. And so, I had done some reading on some forums to um, try to figure out what Mods or at least improvements or uh, things that I could shore up the bike mechanically, uh, speaking for such a long ride because I would be riding by myself. And so I was learning to do a lot of wrenching uh, myself. Um, had always had always enjoyed doing that, but you know it was certainly a learning process. All of the specifics, and of course, just there's some just fantastic people. The internet forums always willing to help, and so um, I just knew that I had to do two things. One is I wanted to uh, celebrate the 20 years um, with my wife. And then I also wanted to take a long motorcycle trip by myself. So yeah, that was the setup. Sounds like a simple
0: plan. (laughs) You're going to celebrate with your wife, but then you're going to leave your wife and go on a motorcycle trip to celebrate the fact that you were done nursing school.
1: With her blessing. Yeah. No, right. she, uh, she, no, she, she has seen me, um, go off on adventures of other kinds of sorts by myself. And she kind of knows that when I, um, get back, I'm a better person than when I left. And that I kind of just need that solo space to kind of like expand and then just, you know, process thoughts and come back. And I, I just think that motorcycling is absolutely the best medium for that because in a sense of time, everything is always present tense, at least for me.
0: Mm. What does your wife so, do for a living? She is a shrink. Uh, so, Are you allowed to call it that? <laughs> um,
1: in polite company, she is a family and child um, therapist. So, yeah.
0: So when you come up with this idea to go riding in Alaska, does she raise an eyebrow and sort of make you scream in your chair?
1: Um, no. Um, I, I, I think for the reason that I mentioned and... It just always kind of seemed like it was a bucket list item. Um, Maybe not, perhaps geographically tied to that particular trip. You know, it's an interesting story. For our twentieth wedding anniversary, we actually did want to go to Alaska, uh, but when we were looking at the cost, it was actually you know just about about par um, for us to go back to Europe. So we ended up going. (laughs) Yeah, so we ended up going um, back to Europe for that event. But, uh, it just, when I told her I wanted to go by myself, she, she understood why, uh, we had always wanted to see the 49th state. Um, but, uh, uh me going up there would kind of just be a, um, what do you call it? A, a, recon trip, uh, for that eventual trip, um, we would take. And so it sounded like a very simple plan.
0: And the, in Anchorage or Alaska rather, uh, to go there, that's just something you're just interested in seeing. Like there's nothing else drawing you to Alaska
1: um i i think just the kind of testing of your own metal
0: because
1: mm, it's out there it, it is out there and we are always kind of intrigued by what's over the next terrain feature what's around the next bend of the river i, I think that humans are very curious creatures and always wanting to discover and expand their limits in that way uh, motorcycling does certainly um, lend itself to that and adventure riding in particular so uh to be able to go and to see it, um you know, in the military, like when you get to fill out your quote wish list where you want to go. um that was actually one of the places that I had put down. Um, so i it, it was someplace i I wanted to spend time and to be able to see it from the ground, you know, like getting to take a cruise line in and to take a train th- that that would have been great, and that's certainly better than never getting to see it um, at all. but i I wanted to be able to in a way that's intimate in a way that that adventure riding certainly gives you where, where you feel the rain, you, you feel the wind, you know, you're very much plugged into the firmament and you can see the flora, you can see the fauna, you can stop, you can take pictures, you can talk to people. People want to talk to you. And in, in all the years as a as a motorist driving a car, I've never once pulled up to a gas station, whether it's in a middle of nowhere or downtown somewhere, and someone walk up to say, Hey, you have a car too. Wow, that's really neat. <laughs> what are your payments like? No one has ever ever said that.
0: Where are you going? Where have you been? <laughs>
1: Where have you going? Where have you been? Yeah. Could I see the stickers on you know, um, telling me what your story is. But on a bike, it just seems like people are drawn to you. And I, and I, and I, and there's people who have you know written about this in their trip reports and it can do it so much better than me, but it's very much a bridge and not a bubble. Um, and, and you kind of have that, like, not just visceral experience where you're sensing the place that you are riding to, or you are riding through, but the people find you approachable when you stop. And just, there's something in, intriguing, uh, about, being on two wheels, um, kids want to talk to you. Um, other people want to talk to you and, uh, you know, and, and you hear their story and it's always just kind of comes back to their tie in with a two wheeled experience themselves. Mm -hmm. Sometime someplace could have been on a Honda Z, um, Z50 buzzing around the pasture on the family farm or, you know, or, or somebody's saying they want to save up for that Harley trip that they never got to take with, their college buddies or, I mean, it's just always some experience I just find to be somewhat universal. And you're going to get people who will wrinkle their nose, um, at the thought of a bike. Uh, they, they just may see it as some sort of pending peril that is going to get you one day, um, somehow. But to me, it just seems to be a, Very common bond that you feel when you can go anywhere and someone who has that experience with that medium for travel comes up to you. And there's just something about people who have accepted the risk to ride a bike that just makes them different. And I just find them to be trustworthy. I always say you can trust um, motorcycle people. And, um, you know, I, I guess a lot of my tale of my adventure is the fact that I absolutely couldn't have done it without them. You know, like there's just no way that one guy could get on a bike and have everything packed that he would ever need, uh, and just take off and, and find that the story ends happily, um, every single time.
0: Mm-hmm. So the, the plan was to, to ride to Alaska from where, the, I guess that you went to Europe first and then you, then you came back and did yep. this. Yep. yep. Um, I
1: went to her, uh, excuse me, I went to Europe um, with her, no kids that, was fantastic. Uh, Left my bike uh, with a shop because it did need some things. Like I said, it was pretty, uh, I I was learning to wrench on a bike and there was just a lot of skills I had to develop. Like for instance, a carburetor on a lawnmower would have scared me to death years ago. But I left my bike with a shop and pretty much with a blank check. I said, just whatever it takes to get it roadworthy. Here's the list of things that I think that that it will need. And if it needs um, anything else, please just do it because I need to have a reliable mount. That uh, that turned out to be um, some misplaced trust. I mean, I don't want to speak badly um, of them. I, I try to believe that people have good intentions. Like, like I said, just the way you see the world is the way that you behave in it. And if you see everyone as out to get you, you're going to miss an awful lot of good. But uh, that I was... Not well served as a customer. Um, you know there's just some room for improvement on the work that was done. so i was uh, so i was I was stuck. Um, I had to uh, do a lot of you know furious preparation and and just putting things together the best that I knew how, and um, hoping for the best outcome. And you know that certainly um, would set me up to receive the generosity of other people later, you know, if you, kind of are not ever vulnerable you're never going to um kind of experience the good
0: (laughs) (laughs) sure Uh, we we just did an episode of a group of people that rode urals and that's what they found i mean the the urals became actually part of their trip because they're what made well all the breakdowns of course the 972 breakdowns and um and then on that trip they they met all kinds of people through it so it's the same thing with you um what kind of bike was it and what kind of problems were you having Um
1: it was a DR650. Uh and so the single cylinder thumper um just kind of lends itself well to being that sturdy mount. Um, you know, I I think there's a lot to be said about the simplicity of an air-cooled, um, oil-cooled, um, carbureted engine, uh, just um, you know, easy to get in and out of. But like I said, a carburetor was a very, very scary thing at that time for me. And that ultimately kind of kind of, you know, led to some uh, hard stops later but in a most serendipitous way. So the bike was also outfitted with the safari tank, which comes to us from Australia. And so I put that on there and that holds, I want to say 30 liters or almost, or pretty close to nine gallons. So, um, awful. It's, it's a noticeable weight shift, mm, <laughs> uh, but it also lot. gives you, but it also the stock
0: you, tank is very small. That's why you put that on.
1: Yeah, the stock tank is, I want to say, less than three and a half gallons. So it does give the bike some very long legs. Uh, but if you were to take on uh, poor quality fu- fuel, you can take on quite a bit of it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Pause for a nervous laugh. Yes. So what happened? So I was having a spectacular time. I was uh, I, I, uh, headed north. Uh, my goal was to go up to Tuctoctuk. Uh, the road had just opened that summer, 2018, and I very much wanted to see the top of the world. I I guess, you know what you were saying about the human tendency to want to explore. There's just something about a superlative on a journey. Like it's the end of the road. It's the farthest north you can go. You know, for that same reason, I do want to go down to the bottom of Argentina for the same reason mm-hmm. uh, one day. Um, but the The superlative of it just kind of seems like a uh, fitting bookend for, um, you know, the experience of going through school, um, working nights, uh, working full time, uh, going to school full time. I I really just needed the decompression and I just wanted to have some kind of tangible achievement that would sort of serve as that bookend, you know, Mm -hmm. be like – Okay, that's done. I got, you know, I can also get this done, and and you know, just have that kind of momentum to carry me through. (laughs) As uh, as as I started a whole new job um, after that, so the trip to Tektitec was uh, was precluded by the fact that um, the specific help that I had asked for for the carburetor didn't actually come through. So that that kind of left me putting it together the best that I could, and that was uh, a three day. Delay, and as you know, like when you're working on your vacation time, there's (laughs) really nothing more demoralizing than watching your vacation time tick by as you're trying to get everything, you know, ready that you that you really had reached out in earnest asking for help for. So, but but you know, but the people on the forums are just absolutely fantastic. Um, I had people offer to take the carb off of their bike, FedEx to me overnight, so just to save my own ride. I mean, it just the generosity is absolutely. Um, without end. Um, so I missed my window to go up to that particular point on the map, but I did have enough time to get to Alaska and to do some riding around there. And, um, that's what I did. Um, but, uh, when I took on some fuel, um, I ended up getting some, some bad fuel and just, you know, lack of the filtration or whatever I had on my end, uh, it, it, it did end up clogging up some things in my jetting. I didn't quite understand how I could get myself um, out of that, but as it turns out, you know the you know thousands of miles between my house and Anchorage, Alaska, where I eventually broke down. The bike ran, and as I was sort of, you know, coasting and sputtering and and just cursing my way into Anchorage, uh, one of the very kind people on the forum uh, reached out to me and said, "Hey, it's Saturday." Um, and I'm just sitting here. Um, I've got a whole toolbox, and it was raining, and a dry place to work. Uh, why don't you just come by? Here is my address. And th- this person didn't know me from anybody. <laughs> so here comes this. Uh, here, here comes this guy from the lower 48, soaking wet, just, uh, just completely at his wit's end, pulling up on a bike. And the only reason why this guy reached out to me, or this guy found me, is because he had the same bike. And he was on that same forum. Uh, and he went over to his shelf and he said, Hey, I have a spare carb (laughs) (laughs) fully rebuilt. Here you go. Why don't you just trade me one for one? Go. And I was like, uh, and and, and, at, at, at that point I would have paid any, I would have paid any price. And I said, what do I, he said, he said, the way you can pay me back is to go and enjoy your ride. I was like, man, that just changed me. That just changed me as a person deep down. That really made me not only more grateful for the um, opportunity to have ridden, but also more aware of looking for other motorcyclists. You know, so you know, even where I live, there's a lot of people doing epic rides, going north to south, or just even just riding out there. And I and I found myself just going out to local pawn shops and stuff and picking up, you know, size. 10 mil wrench, 12 mil wrench, and I'll just throw them all in a box because I always want to be able to reach out in a meaningful way to somebody else who may be stuck and be like, and to be to be able to get them going, whether it's tools or parts or fluids or just or just other consumables or just even even just a place to stage up and to work on a bike and to get a shower and get back on the road. I always want to be the person who can return that generosity back to the greater community of riders. Like I said, those people that accept. The risk of traveling um, that way, I I I I think you just kind of find yourself in this worldwide um, brotherhood and uh, sisterhood of other people, and uh, so I I couldn't have done um, that trip without them. And there was certainly that that was certainly not the last time (laughs) that I needed something. But I I guess just to wrap up the 2018 trip, I went down to Homer. There's just something about that just really spoke to me about that particular place. It was just I, I just felt this absolute serenity just being on the beach there. And I pushed myself pretty hard to get there. Um, I, I was—I'll uh, admit that I don't like to ride when I'm angry or tired or you know uh, or something else. Uh, but I did push myself to get there because my my motivation was if I could put up the tent, I can keep it up for two nights. I don't have to tear down the <laughs> the very next day. You know, I could put it up for two nights. And that was just such a motivator to keep on going. And once I got there, I got there right right at sunset and just fell in love with the beauty of that particular place. And I, I, I told my wife that she could scatter my ashes there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. And incredible the story you just told about this guy helping you giving the rebound carburetor. You know, I, I hear these stories all the time. And every story hits me the same way. I mean, I, it just, it's so amazing to know that there's people out there doing stuff for complete strangers. I mean, you, you hadn't talked to this guy or anything beforehand. It's, It's just, you happen to bump into him there.
1: I had never met him. He just saw my SOS message on the forum and yeah. he said, here is where I am. If you can get to me, I can totally get you going again. And and you, you kind of have to realize like if you're pretty distressed and just, you cannot figure out the problem. I mean like with humans, we have a certain strength that can almost become our greatest weakness too. Let me kind of, Put some color to that statement. We don't have the ability where we have armor or we can fly or we can echolocate things. Like humans are pretty much pink and do not have sharp teeth, do not have um, sharp claws, and <laughs> really are like our place at the top of the food chain is pretty hard to explain when you look at us just as a species. And what we do have is our wits and our abilities to think and to grab a hold. Of information out in the world, and uh, so as humans, we always want to like think that we can know things, or reason our way out of it, or use our wits to somehow solve problems. and And that turns out to be our greatest strength and our greatest uh, weakness because it's you know also easy to to have things kind of cloud that judgment, um, emotions. So like you know, anger could be worried about something in the past, or worry could be worried about something in the future. And that's and that's kind of why I you know, tell my wife that my motorcycle is my therapist because <laughs> because on a bike, everything is present tense. Like you have to be paying attention to that present tense moment. You can't be worrying about something that that you are, that like you, you just cannot be distracted in your mind about things that aren't happening right now. Um,
0: Usually stops so, the idle chatter that goes on in the back of a mind.
1: It, yeah, it, it, you know, the advisor time is some of the best time for me. I really do like it. I, I've never kind of solved the whole uh, solved well the whole being able to listen to music at the same time or being able to listen to podcasts at the same time, although I love both of those things. Um I, I just find that the solitude is very clarifying, you know, and and of course even you're just riding across the many beautiful places that we have um to ride, it 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 just becomes its own its own narrative to sort of like reset, you know, like what are my expectations? My expectations that I must reach this this mile marker, then, then you're just going to sort of, uh, find yourself perhaps making bad judgments about things when you really should be just concentrating on what you are doing at the moment. But, Mm -hmm. um, more of a philosophical point there, but I was just, uh, at a place where like I needed to try to, you know, solve my problem of why I couldn't ride. And, and ultimately it was just being able to reach out uh, for help and someone, um, again, they just saying, there's just something special about people who are willing to take the risk um, that they find that nexus with you.
0: So, yeah. You ran out of time on this trip. Because I guess I, your, your original did, plan was yeah. to ride up and back, right? Uh, no, the original plan. Uh,
1: so it, it kind of morphed, right? So I was thinking if I rode up and back, it would just be sort of checking off boxes. Like I would have to be riding long, long days. And I would essentially get there and get back. And then I was like, well, That's maybe I could get there and then, and then I could take the ferry back when I realized that I could buy the motorcycle again for the cost of what it took <laughs> to, to ride the ferries. It was like, let's not do that. And I was like, well, then if I just parked the bike there, um, I could, I could fly home and come back and ride at home um, some other day. So ultimately it was just you know uh, j- just some further problem solving and some creative thinking that let me that that got me to the place where um, you know again reached out on the forum f- found somebody who had an outfitter business that they can just park my motorcycle in the back with the other motorcycles that they had um, for rent in their business and I can just um, drain the car, plug in the battery and come back on a different day.
0: Hmm. So you headed back home. I did. And what happened then?
1: Yeah. So uh, best laid plans, uh, 2019 was going to be the year I was going to come back, but I did get tied into a different project at the house, uh, sort of morphed into be a bigger participation on my and that I had planned. I had uh, tried to hire somebody to do it, but that didn't work out. So I ended up having to finish it um, by myself. But uh, So 2019 was not my year. And then that just kind of left uh, open for 2020. What could possibly go wrong?
0: 2020, what happens? What goes wrong?
1: Well, it it, it turned out uh, a bit of my education as a biology major, I spent a lot of time studying infectious diseases. And it turned out to be that there was a uh, novel pathogen, the coronavirus. I'm sure somebody has at least heard of it.
0: I don't <laughs> so, think I've heard of this, but um, yes, I'll look it up well, afterwards.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, it it turned out to have a large impact on just everybody's kind of expectations worldwide for economics, for travel, for job security, um, for supply chains, for everything. So I found myself in a place where my job was a uh, relatively new one, and it was attached as sort of a, um, a job that was in development to sort of. Expand a certain skill set for the hospital. So, as hospitals found themselves losing foot traffic due to just people not being able to access the hospital or the protocols they had changed, or uh, people who are at risk for getting sick found that they should that they would better off stay home. And 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 so, just as the revenue dropped for the hospital, I found myself laid off. Oh. Uh, most yeah um most unexpectedly, um, no real rhyme, no real reason, no real explanation. some you know just uh, hey, can you meet me in my office? Uh, yeah, sure and then I came in and just you know the door closed and here is the paper. Um, and and just you, you know it, the the whole thing was very detached and and very impersonal and you know and some things were said to me that that I you know they did find hurtful and I, and I guess it's just kind of hard to take something like that. Oh, yeah. Any other way, yeah. but being um, personal, and and I don't, I don't want to like, you know, cast the person doing this in a negative light. I mean, they may have just got out of a budget meeting, and I didn't, I did not know what went on there, and this was, this was the uncomplicated cost-saving measure. And the fact is, I still to this day, I just don't know. There's a lot of question marks there. But having never not worked since I was 15, I just really found myself like absolutely at a complete loss for words or actions or couldn't even put together coherent thoughts you know so I, I just remember walking out to the parking lot where my brand new 2020 Vstrom um 650 was parked and i was thinking what am i going to tell my wife or my kids and it turned out that i uh my wife she is very smart she was able to um you know you know sort of like put put the story together, but it was, it was a while before I could even put the words together to tell my own kids. And you, you would, you would think that perhaps that embarrassment was, um, maybe, um, misplaced or some kind of, you know, uh, some kind of, um, some kind of bravado on my part, but it was just a protection mechanism is the only thing that I could think of is that I just I, I just I'm I'm probably not going to put this well, so I'm not going to say anything. I I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a lot of. It, it was a long afternoon. Uh, I just went home, and I absolutely didn't have any coherent thoughts to put together. And that was June second, two thousand and twenty. Well, June third, I had a couple extra synapses come on board and fire, and it had occurred to me that uh, that I had a. Uh, completely unique opportunity. Like what was a, what was a total tragedy on its face was a completely awesome opportunity because at this point I had been looking to try to find enough vacation time to go back up there and to retrieve my bike and get it and just be able to do some travel around and um, then be able to get it back home again and not just be doing, you know, 800 mile days on a thumper. Uh, So it, uh, like I said, a couple extra um, synapses came on board. I realized I don't have anyone's clock to punch tomorrow. And I have a completely capable adventure bike waiting for me in Alaska and it's June. And June is the month that all motorcyclists <laughs>
0: <do>. <laughs> it gets in you Alaska wait
1: for. And I was like, gosh, I, I wonder what a ticket would cost. And so I went online and a ticket from Seattle um, to Anchorage was $180 and that's like 80% off. <laughs> and wow. I was like, wow. So I was like, this is just, I mean, this could actually work. Right. I mean, I have all of the time in the world always wanted to do this. And
0: so why not do it? And well, it's kind um, of bizarre though, because just the day before you lost your job, yeah. your livelihood, you could have no more paychecks coming everything. in. Yeah. And, and yeah. now all of a sudden you're thinking, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to throw everything aside and go on vacation then <laughs> by yourself. I um, might add
1: well vacation might might be a might be a term that i i i think that would um not describe it fully because like there was certainly some healing that needed to take place shall we say yeah <laughs> and my motorcyclists they they are my therapists so um i i had this unfinished business certainly i had to had had a piece of property that i needed to go and get one way or the other um and it really just kind of fell into place. Like the plane ticket was the right price, and so under duress, I uh, made a reservation for to fly out. Um, I reached out to uh, to a friend now, who, who the uh, just a random guy that I met who handed me a fully rebuilt carburetor two years prior. Um, I reached out to him. And I said, "Hey, uh, this has just happened to me. This is what I'm thinking about." He's like, "Sounds like you're really turning lemons in." To lemonade. That sounds good to me. Um, I still have the shop. I still have all of my tools. I, I have some comp time, um, coming to me. So why don't I just take the day off and you can come up here and we'll, we can change tires and get the bike road. And so it just, again, the whole generosity of, you know, one man is not an Island unto himself. And, um, so it sounded good. So under adverse circumstances i had uh planned a uh, train ticket uh to get me to seattle and then a plane ticket to get me from seattle to anchorage well um small oversight in my planning the train ticket was going to be exactly 24 hours too late but i didn't realize (laughs) that so then now what do you do right so i've had somebody who's taken the whole day off i need to get from montana to seattle what are my options and so Uh, As it turns out, we had some friends who were overseas on a mission trip, and they were (laughs) trying to get back to the United States to be repatriated because they certainly weren't counting on the coronavirus either. So their freedom of freedom of travel to get back home, which I desperately wanted to do, was certainly limited. But one of the airports that they were able to fly into that was Seattle. (laughs) So some Google Facetime happened, uh, and I reached out to them, and I said, "Hey." Um, I hear tell that you may be flying in, into Seattle. How would you feel if I fully paid for your, the parking uh, valet style for your pickup truck? <laughs> it would just be waiting there for you. Cause you don't know when you're going to be able to fly home, but it'll be totally, totally paid up and waiting for you. If I drove your pickup truck there and I flew out and then when you get to fly in, you have you you can just, you, you have your vehicle uh, waiting there for you. Oh, I see. So that turned, yeah. So again, I I mean, completely, I painted myself into a corner, but it, it, yet it worked out um, one more time. Uh, So that's how I got to Anchorage. (laughs) uh, So I land, um, get my bike, uh, get it back to his uh, shop. And uh, lo and behold, something happened having another intermittent failure on the bike. So for a bike, that's pretty simple. Uh, I just had had, you know, two failures back to back, you know, one was with the car, which I can probably honestly, attribute to something else. And the other was with the coil, but it was only when the coil got hot. Um, it would almost seem like the bike would actually shut off. And that was just from it not being able to generate enough, uh, spark. Mm-hmm. So, yet again, what my friend did, and this is June, mind you, he parked his own DR650, took the coil off of his bike, handed it to me. He said, go, he said, go enjoy your ride. Now, keep in mind, this guy has paid his dues parking his bike for 11 months, waiting for June. Yeah. (laughs) And he pulls the coil off off of his bike and he hands it to me and he says, go enjoy your ride. And I just, I mean, again, like Jim, I, 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 I can't tell you how humbling it is to realize that you don't do these kinds of things on your own. You know, I mean, there's a, obviously you have loved ones at home, um, who's, um, who support you, but you have to think like your brain can be pretty fragile after going through something like the circumstances that even got me there in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then to just have the constant turnaround of the goodwill of others, take a completely bad situation and turn it into something that is ultimately going to be, um, what pulled me out of all of that negative, of headspace.
0: Well, that's yeah. yeah, that's part part of the healing process, isn't it? Because because you you said not really vacation, and I like the way you said that because we often look at the, anything to do with motorcycling as something that's extra, it's something that you do because it's it's a toy, it's something that you want to do. But but I mean, it's true though. I mean, but but it is something that grounds you again. It is something that lets you get your head straight. I mean, it it serves a purpose for many people at different times in your life.
1: It does. And it is true. And then from there, it just turned out to be, uh, 4,000 miles <laughs> that I put on, on, on my bike. So a fresh oil change, um, there at his shop, uh, got me going. I put on 4,000 miles, um, on my bike and that was just in the state. I did not actually ride at home per se. All in Alaska. Um, that was all, yep. All, yep. All, um, um, all there in the 49th state. Wow. And did you get
0: yeah. out of it what you wanted?
1: I did. I did. I, I, I needed the ability to be able to ride till I got tired, stop when I wanted to, uh, eat when I felt like it, sleep until I wanted to wake up. Um, that, that just that when you go from living day by the hour, when you live your life that way to being able to, uh, not just decompress, but in a sense, move through a space as beautiful as that, in a way that you're unhurried that you get to see caribou because you weren't trying to check off mile markers. You get to see, I got to see an actual wolf like by the side of the road, just standing there. And like, nice. I was thinking like that they are at, they are where they are on the food chain because they are pretty good at not being seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and there it was. And so, you know, moose, um, musk ox, like just all kinds of things that you just wouldn't ordinarily never get to see just because you took the time to slow down and to, and to see them. And that, um, that unhurried pace really did a lot of good. And I got to do some fishing, got to do some hiking, uh, mountain biking, um, you know, uh, went to the shoreline. Uh, it, it just was absolutely what I needed at the time.
0: Your DR650, and and after that, your DR650 was fine. Like, after you had two problems, you had the the carburetor on the first trip coil on the second, it ran fine? Flawlessly. That's nice. I like the DR650. It's a good bike. Yep. And as a motorcycle, you definitely have to
1: appreciate the benefit of a trade off. That's just, I think, if I can use the words from the first Austin Vince um, episode, it's something on the syllabus of your life that you have to learn is the value of a trade-off. Because like, if you're saying, well, I'm going to get to this point at this time, no matter what, then your trade-off is, well, you may be tired when you get there. You may be so tired that you cause yourself peril getting there. You may be in such a rush that you miss all all the things to see along the way. Or you commit yourself to a certain bike. You're like, well, I have to have this bike because that's what... The advertising told me was the best bike. And then, so you, you, you just like the value of a trade off is when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Like, learning that, I, I think, is a very important lesson in life. And it's one of those things where if you don't learn it, you will have to take the class over. So it <laughs> certainly is worth getting. Well,
0: the adventure motorcycle is a trade-off. I mean, that's that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Because you're, you're trading off the, the street aspects of it for the dirt aspects of it, I mean, or the melding of the two together, which makes sort of a, a hybrid, obviously, of, of the two vehicles. So you're not getting the best of either one. It's funny because people will talk about a, um, and, and this is where I, I might look at it slightly different, we'll talk about tires and they'll say a 50-50 tire I've always been of the mindset of well, a fifty-fifty tire makes it sound like it's it's for it's going to be uh, for half you know for riding off-road and half for riding on-road. But the fact of the matter is, it's actually only half as good off-road is what a full off-road tire is, and half as good on-road is what a full on-road tire is. So really, what you've got is the worst tire you could ask for—a fifty-fifty. If you think about it.
1: Yes, but you're getting the ability to do both. You know, like that's right. Like if I wanted, it, like if I wanted to ride. Um, to Key West, my V-Strom would be the bike that I would actually um, reach for, but it wouldn't be the bike that I would reach for to do to to do some of the cool fire roads that we have here. You know, it it just um its attributes that make it strong for long mileage days, are just kind of things that would not make me reach for it to do that specific task. And so, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. And mm-hmm. it's it's the ability to apply the wisdom that you get from I guess, getting older, shall we say, um, that 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 just makes you a better rider, makes you a more cautious rider, makes you a more sensitive rider to the needs of people you are riding with.
0: You said that the trade-off, you know, you're learning this in life it helps you in life. Do you find that when it comes to travel as well, there are trade-offs that you make purposely to get more out of your trip?
1: Yeah, um, I think that Sam... When Sam Manicom expressed that the cost of a certain piece of kit that he had on his bike, whether it was the tank or something else, was worth to X number of days traveling in South America, that's a real trade-off. Like you have to think, like you know, is this particular thing worth foregoing the experience to go do something else? Because the whole reason why I'm riding this bike on an adventure is to go experience something else. So am I willing to make that particular trade off here? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And it could be your your choice of camping, hotel, b I mean, all, all those three things there will expose you to different things or, or even in your case of accepting somebody's offer rather than going to the dealer because you could have got it handled at the dealer as well. You could have went to a dealership and had it handled. It would have been a completely different experience. Perhaps.
1: Uh, I actually did go to the dealer and I ordered a replacement coil because I wanted to make good on getting him whole again and having a bike to ride. But the supply chain had actually shut down, and so three and a half weeks later, oh, there no. was not any kind of coil, or at least any kind of expected ship date for one. And so there, so an aftermarket one um, was in fact sourced, and that and that was how that problem was actually solved. So yeah, there's just I mean, it, um, again, like it just makes me that much more uh, appreciative of the sacrifice uh, somebody else made, and then realizing that what I got from that trip came as a sacrifice that, that somebody else made. And that was a trade-off that he had made. Like, I'm going to pull my bike off of the road. It's, a, not, a rideable, it's not a rideable asset during the best month of riding. The trade-off that he was making was that I could ride. And it's made mm-hmm. me very, very sensitive to um, other people being stranded or, or being stuck. Like I've come across people on ride reports that are down in South America and they need Parts and the, only, and the only, the only way they're going to get them is from having them um, expedited down there. And so just that I've, I've been a part of a few efforts now for actually doing that. And it, um, it, um, it's been fun knowing that you can save someone else's ride because you yourself understand what it is like.
0: COVID-19 was, was in full swing as it still is kind of, I guess, but I mean, it, while you were doing this trip, how did that affect your trip? Interesting. Um so
1: I, I i don't want to i guess be disparaging of in, especially in hindsight when you look at how regulatory um, agencies or just different governing bodies handled quarantines and shutdowns I, I i think it's it's entirely too um presumptuous to look in hindsight and say well you know that happened and that seemed like it, it could have been done better right um that that that's not a perspective that I want to take. But the reality of what it was like to go through that, um, was, uh, was again, um, trying, um, in some senses, because when you go to a place, uh, like there were communities that were actually, um, they actually had someone posted on the road with signage just saying, if you're not from here, don't come in there, you know? And I, and I understand what they were trying to do. They were, they were trying to withhold pathogens uh, from entering their people group. And, and, and so, and, and, and and so that is what, you know, that that is how they protected themselves. And, you know, humans are animals and animals are going to uh, react a certain way when they are scared or react a certain way when they are trying to, get resources or trying to move away from negative or painful um, stimuli, that is just biology and all of that makes sense to me. However, the flip side, I would like to put a happy face in all this is that I had, and I didn't realize this until I got there, but I had the entire state to myself <laughs> <laughs> So my trip was uh, so once I got the whole coil thing sorted out, uh, I'll just kind of give you the rundown um, from Anchorage to Talkeetna, Talkeetna to Fairbanks, Fairbanks to Central, back to Fairbanks, up the Dalton up to Dead Horse, from Dead Horse, again back to Fairbanks, over to Toke, very very special uh, motorcycle only campground. There I want to send out a sh- send a shout out to Vanessa at. The Eagle Claw um, campground there. Awesome, awesome lady. She is a biker herself and she really gets it. She really does know how to host people coming there. You really feel like you are one of the family. Uh, From Toke, I made it up to uh, past Chicken all the way up to Eagle and a very, very special thing um, um, happened there. Uh, Eagle back down to Toke, Delta Junction through Paxton, Glen Allen, down to Anchorage, down all the way down throughout the whole Kenai and of course down to Homer back up to Anchorage again, Valdez, Valdez to McCarthy. Uh, and then um, one more time back down to Anchorage before heading home. But it was on my very first night, my very first stop in Talkeetna, sitting at the Denali brew pub uh, that the bartender there pointed out to me, he's like, you know, there are no cruise lines coming into the ports. And that was true because the princess tourist office in Taukina was actually closed. (laughs) He's Mm -hmm. like, there's no cruise lines coming into the ports. Alaska has just been opened again for air travel and the Alaska highway is closed. He said, you have the whole state to yourself right now. Alaskans are getting out to see their own state and they don't normally get to see it like this because it's normally heavy traffic with RVs and other people driving up from the lower 48. So in a sense, what was a completely terrible situation at its start June 2nd turned out to be an amazing um adventure just one week later me sitting there drinking an awesome um microbrew <laughs> finding out that hey i had just i had just gotten gotten the golden ticket <laughs> to travel and so i just was absolutely blown away by the knowledge that you know when i went when i left hawke'ton and i went up to Denali National Park, there was no check-in station, there was nobody to hand money to. The ranger station was actually closed and the restaurant was closed and the gift shop was closed. You could have held drag races in the parking lot because there was nobody there. So I was able to experience the park in a very unrushed, unhurried, uncrowded way and get back to the Savage River area, which was actually closed at that point. You needed a permit to go back. And it was very, very tempting because there's no one there at the guardhouse um, to actually check. But, uh, but there was a way, there was a permitting like lottery process where you can get, and you can actually ride back into the park yourself um, and, and have all of that open to you. But it was just so, uh, it just at a low density of traffic for people that you, almost really got to see, or, or at least I got to see something that I think that would never be able to be seen in that way again. You know, like at mm-hmm. least in my own lifetime, I, I I can't think how I would ever get to relive that trip that I had. I mean, my trip up the Dalton was, you know, obviously you hear about trucks and they are there to get items from one end of the road to the other. And that is their business there. They're not so concerned with um, your, your enjoyment as and adventure rider, but the price of oil was so low that the Dead Horse Prudhoe Bay um, area had been actually closed down. And so my whole trip up the Dalton, not only did I have this like pristine weather window, I was able to go up there with very very little um, truck traffic. I, I I think I counted less than a dozen trucks on the way up and on the way back total. Mm-hmm. I know. And so it's like the opportunity that was presented to me was just it was, it was so humbling, Jim. I have no way, no, no other way to, to put it into words, just the generosity of others and the low impact of the traffic. And I just read on the forums and, and I get it. And people there, there was like, there was a, uh, thread started for people who had lost their travel opportunities due to COVID. And, and I get that and I, I don't want to marginalize or to make fun of that in any way. But it was COVID that actually saved my trip because I I had the, the freedom to be able to not have anybody's time clock to punch and not have to worry about how many vacation days I had when I was, you know, laid up for you know two days trying to figure out my intermittent coil failure. I I had the freedom to do that in an unhurried sense because I essentially had been able to um take an adverse, um, circumstance, take lemons and to make lemonade from it. And so I, I it, 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 that whole trip really did change my life.
0: You, you mentioned there about, you know, COVID sort of made something that you you probably never get to see again in your lifetime. Well, we hope you will never get to see it again in your lifetime. Um, what we've, what we've experienced here. And, and it's just like a handful of other travelers that are out there that have managed to pull it off. And, and, you know, everybody has their different stories, about why they're still traveling during COVID. I know a lot of people will say you shouldn't be traveling during COVID, but, but there's circumstances that, that have found, people found themselves traveling. And the sites that they've seen, the sites that you saw in, in Alaska, you saw it in a context that um, it's just never gonna, going to be repeated. It's, it's, um, it's almost like going back in time, you know, like like you're on a um, like some sort of quest, you know, all by yourself or pretty much to experience these places. Because um, I'm sure you go back in two, three years and it's going to be a completely different experience. So I think that's pretty special. That's pretty amazing. And like you said that, you know, um, taking the opportunity of uh, you get let go from your job and you, you turn that into something. It's pretty amazing.
1: It is. I was very fortunate. And, and I guess I just wanted to just put a couple of more details in there. I was wearing a mask. I was getting the uh, COVID testing that was required by the state to make sure that as a traveler, you weren't um that you were not passing anything along uh mm-hmm. so i i was i was compliant there but i have to say there's no better social distancing tool than a motorcycle <laughs> yeah i know and I, I think we've sort of come to
0: realize that yeah. throughout this because at first you know there was a, a lot of people yeah. pushing don't ride because you yep. expose yourself to you know risk and and then you put to emergency services at risk and and some of that's still valid but i think that we've yep. all come to realize that hey we're actually in a really good spot riding our motorcycles by ourselves with our helmet on and our gear you know right and uh,
1: right and, and and i don't want to. Talks to me out of a conviction that, that they may hold because uh, of they have information that I don't, or they are in a particular um, health state where they are immunocompromised or what have you. I, I mean, like that's those are very valid uh, points, and I, and I don't want to make light of that. Um, but I was uh, wild camping by myself. Uh, you know, like there, it, it just was it it was harder to put together a. Um, better example of distancing than you're the only one. <laughs> you know? yeah. so. well, did you
0: find any negative feedback? Did you run into times so where they get a gas station or anything like that where people are sick? We're going to take just a short break so I can tell you about a couple of things. When we come back, Donovan meets some locals that don't think that he should be visiting Alaska during the pandemic. It's, it's quite interesting. and A lot more after that. Stay with us. Go light, go fast, go far with Giant Loop. Giant Loop has forged its name by uh, making purpose-built, modular, customizable packing systems that are durable, stable, intuitive, and most importantly, lightweight. And they've done that by focusing on what's needed to serve a product's mission. In other words... They've eliminated extra straps and buckles, no everything in the kitchen sink design, nothing like that. Instead, those purpose-built packing systems that adventure riders can count on. All modular, so you can customize the setup to suit your bike and your riding style. Discover a new world of adventure with intuitive, functional, durable gear that requires basically little more than plug-and-play Enjoyment with Giant Loop. Again, go light, go fast, go far with Giant Loop. The website, giantloopmoto.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Giantloopmoto.com. Well, it's been a number of years that I've been riding on IMS Products foot pegs, but I can still remember that day, that, that first day that I installed them on the bike. The reason that I remember is not because of, of the installation. That's not what what sparks the memory. Uh, that was pretty straightforward. As a matter of fact, it only took me a few minutes to put them on. But I was heading out on a ride and I put those on the bike. I went ahead and packed the rest of my gear. And by the time I got all my gear packed, I think I was running late for the ferry as well. So I, I sort of had this deadline. I'd forgotten about the foot pegs. As soon as I got on the bike and stood up, I immediately remembered the foot pegs because it was completely different. It felt like a different bike. It was quite a a rush to actually play with it as I went out and I've had a dirt driveway that was muddy and potholed in in spots and just maneuvering the bike back and forth, the extra leverage with the pegs gave me more maneuverability, just gave me more control and the teeth on the pegs had my feet solid in position. Like it just, it changed the ride and I remember that day, I can still picture it in my mind and it's because it was such a drastic change for the ride. imsproducts.com is their website have a look at what they've got. They've likely got a peg that will fit your bike. And anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, imsproducts.com. Did you find any negative feedback? Did you Did you come across any locals? I know you mentioned that they've got the signs and trying to keep people, people out of their community. And that's all understandable yeah. at the time. Did you Did you run into times where they get a gas station or anything like that where people are sort of saying, hey, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. Uh, there, there was one time I, I, I did need a, uh, item for my motorcycle. So I went to a shop and I won't say where it was cause it's not important. Um, but, uh, their reaction was, was, was actually, um, it, it actually hurt. Um, so I was masked and I was ob- observing the proper distance between, I mean, like they're behind the counter that they, they can't keep backing up. Right. So I have to stand back <laughs> so that I'm not, you know, closing that, um, that, um, six foot distance and, um, uh, so I, I was masked and I went into the store and I, I asked what I, they asked what I asked for and, and, and they, sh- and they told me where it was and I got it and I asked, if I could, you know, if I, and I just walked back around and she asked me where I was from. And, and so like this question becomes really difficult because everybody knows that the Alaska Highway was closed. So when you have, when they find out you're from the lower 48, everyone wants to know how you got there. <laughs> right. So yeah. after you answer that question. Um but it just really kind of escalated in a in a negative way um to, to where the proprietors <laughs> were like it was like two against one where they they're just like, how 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 dare you come in? How how dare you? And it's like I I I'm 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 following all of the all of the protocols. I just need this one thing. I'm happy to pay and be on my way. I don't I don't want to, you know, and um it it's it just a very un very uncomfortable. Um but you know again like i i don't i mean those were their convictions they may not have known that i was there under the full visibility of uh you know of people who were tracking the travelers coming in and i was compliant with the testing which had all come back negative and 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 and, and so th- th- but then again what parts of the story am i missing right so i you know, had had a, had a pretty technical job before getting in into the nursing field where I was able to work um, with engineers and not being one, but learning how to speak their language, you always kind of learn to have in the back of your mind, what information am I missing? You know, like before I go and start taking measurements and, and you know, and and drawing conclusions or, you know, trying to build something like like, what information am I missing about this whole thing that I don't understand? Because I don't want to... If somebody asks to design a transportation system and you haven't gotten any more any more specifics, and you design something like the space shuttle, and they were thinking of something like a horse, um, you may come up with a very expensive and elegant solution to a problem that they don't have. You know, so, um, so 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 what information might I have been missing? Well, maybe they had foregone a, a lot of opportunities to visit their own family. You know, maybe they had uh, been under some pretty strict lockdown in their own in their own community and just because the state had opened up maybe they weren't aware that I was there um you know a, as a uh as as somewhat as a authorized guest you know so mm-hmm. i i mean i don't know that and and so i have to be uh have to be sensitive and take away the good from the whole thing is that um i was able to experience their very their very beautiful state. I, I just kind of wish I would not, not have caused so much uh, worry for them being in their particular shop for that very, very short visit.
0: Mm-hmm. So how did you feel when you left there? Does that put a damper on things?
1: You, you know, it's easy to become self-centered and self-important and been like, well, how can they treat me like that? Well, you especially know, when you're by uh, yourself. When you're by yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, don't they know that I'm vulnerable out here? I I, I have no one I have nobody's house to go home to, you know, and, 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 and so it's, it's really easy to start boxing yourself into that negative space. Um, so I, again, I was making a lot of phone calls to my, to my own wife <laughs> and she's <laughs> able to, she's able to really spend some better questions <laughs> than I might be able to, uh, think of and, and say, well, y- y- you know, you y- you're, you're, there and you don't know what they've been through you 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 have no idea and, and so everything that I mentioned before of trying to take someone else's perspective which is called which is called um, empathy um, I needed to uh, call home to get that kind of perspective shift because it's pretty easy to get into your own um, headspace and and to you know and to start and to start singing start singing your own song like you're the most important person in the world when as a matter of fact you're just one person <laughs> Yeah.
0: You mentioned in there a little while back. You said eagle, and then you said a special thing happened there. What was that?
1: Yeah. Um, so the road from uh, Toke, and if you're lucky enough to get to stay at the Eagle Claw uh, campground, you'll just absolutely get to experience something that's one of a kind. It's just it's it's just a campground for motorcycles that's not even advertised. But that as a launch point to go and ex- go and explore the state. The road from Toke to Tetlin Junction and and then heading north up through Chicken up up to Eagle. I I want to posit just for the greater rider community that that's a great trainer road for the Dalton. If you've never ridden the Dalton or anything like it, but, well, th- there is nothing like it. So <laughs> if you've never ridden the Dalton, the road going from uh go, going up north from Tetlin Junction there up to Chicken and through uh, excuse me, through chicken onto Eagle is a great trainer road from the Dalton because you get to experience the intermittent pavement. You get to experience the having to read the road, um, goes from a very zippy kind of hard packed gravel to kind of loose peanut butter mud. And and you have to be able to figure out which is which, you know, and where your front tire goes. Um, so that, I, I just want to kind of just point that out if, you know, that, that, that may be, something that can help somebody else,
0: um, yeah. later on. Yeah. Good advice.
1: But on the, uh, way up to, um, on the way up to chicken or th- way up through chicken and up to Eagle, um, when I got to, eagle like people were rolling down their windows and saying hello welcome to eagle i'm like oh my (laughs) goodness like i am nobody (laughs) like who are and just everywhere everywhere i went like people were just like you know and then one i saw one other guy on a tw 200 and he's he totally stopped what he was doing and he chased me down and he wanted to talk to me and he's like he's like isn't this so much better than dead horse as a destination and having been to the Dalton? Excuse me, have you been to Dead Horse first, and then going up to Eagle? I have to say, yes, yes. Uh, the the industrial The industrial uh, camp known as Dead Horse is pretty anticlimactic. <laughs> um, um, you know, especially because the last eighty or so miles is is just a torture test for. For the suspension on a bike, but um, when you get to Eagle, it's just this very historic place. Very, I mean, I I just would in just would encourage anybody to take the ten minutes it takes to to look up the geographic and historical and kind of uh, like all the history of the gold mining and just the um, the age of exploration, like like why that particular place was so important. Um, but he just stopped what he was doing, chased me down. It took me to the cafe i got a 6 dollar can of uh, spam and a 3 dollar um, dr pepper <laughs> and and we just and it, it, we we just sat there and he told me about him you know hunting and trapping and you know and and the ice flows out there on the yukon and what it's like being a bush pilot and the road is actually snowed in 6 um 6 months every every year and just all what it's like to actually live there and, and like gosh I just, I just felt like i was a dignitary, <laughs> um, and and again, just you know, s- someone else who understands the risk. Uh, but on my way back from Eagle, um, right around mile marker one thirty nine, completely serendipitous. Uh, I I didn't plan this. I didn't put this together of stuff that I had known before, or stuff that I didn't know, or whatever. Um, I just stopped at this one particular bend in the road that was so panoramic. And, and it actually it turns out the, the particular place has a, has a name. It's called um, Eagle Summit, which is altogether fitting. And so I I stopped there and I just think how beautiful it was. And I, and I, and I was unhurried and unbrushed and, and it just kind of felt right. And I uh, was just kind of taken in by the majesty of the place. Like, 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 like some, something made me want to stop. And so I, climbed up this kind of lazy slope of a hill to my left, which would have been, uh, facing east and Eagle is only six miles by air to the Canadian border. And so I'm climbing up this hill to the east so I can just get a better picture. I mean, taking a literal photo, uh, of my surroundings and kind of my bike kind of parked down there and just it up against the backdrop and, and, um, when I looked down the hill, there was a like a plasma cutout of a tree. So, like a piece of so a piece of plate steel cut out in the shape of a tree and painted green. And there were these plaques on it. They were facing uphill. So, if you're looking from the road, you're looking uphill. You would just kind of maybe see if you were if you were observant. Something that looks like a tree painted green that's not found in the natural environment and and it's entirely easy to miss it and so, as I'm walking down the hill, I'm making my way over to this thing, and when I was able to read it, Jim, I have to tell you, like I just had this complete like tap on the shoulder from the universe <laughs> like it was it was a memorial rider to adventure excuse me it was a memorial to adventure riders oh no kidding i felt like i had just discovered land for the queen
0: so so this is like a a memorial for adventure riders that have died adventure
1: riders um well there was a designation by the color of the plaque that some people had had their ashes scattered there and so i was like
0: Jeez.
1: You've got to be kidding me. Like here I am this adventure rider on this big like healing journey and I'm like and you know you trying to this. trying to sort out all these existential things in my life and I happen to put my kickstand down <laughs> around mile marker 139 for no other reason than the place just seemed really beautiful like a great place to take a picture. And I go up the hill to take this picture, and I notice this thing that doesn't look like it belongs there. And I walk down to it because it's easier to see it from the uphill because you can see some contrast with the writing and the and the plaques, whereas if you're downhill, it's just painted green, and or it's powder it is, it is powder coated green, and it's a memorial to adventure riders, and it has this entire story. And I sent, I I, I sent the I me, I sent the link to your wife and. Uh, Um, obviously, hopefully in the, in the show notes, people can get the very beautiful story of how this particular memorial came to be, but it was one particular friend to his other particular friend and his friend had died and they were both from Oklahoma. (laughs) But previous to that, they had done a trip together. They had done this like complete trip of a, of a lifetime together and they were, they were accomplished, um, riders, and they had done this trip where they went all the way up to Eagle and they had done a bunch of other things. But when his friend died, he had his ashes. <laughs> and he wanted to relive this trip with his friend as he was carrying his ashes, because that was part of the of the pact that, that they had made. If if one of them had passed on B be, be for the other, they, they, that the other one would take their ashes and sort of scatter them um, someplace nice. Well, he was intent to ride to Eagle, but You know, a dozen miles before he got to Eagle, he was just overcome with the grief that he was feeling for having lost for the loss of his friend. So he (laughs) walks up on this same hill that I am standing on, completely by accident, scatters his friend's ashes and uh, puts a uh, license plate um, frame that had a particular design, particular designation that has its own whole story to it, on this one lone tree on this hill that hadn't burned. Now the whole trail, the the whole entire hill had been cleared by a fire and the winds up there can be absolutely beyond belief in the winter. Mm -hmm. This one tree had, had stood and this was, and this became Jim's, this became Jim's tree (laughs) and his ashes. They were scattered there because his friend just couldn't ride his bike anymore. He was so overcome with the, with the grief that he felt for his friend. Well, later on the, um, the, the motorcycling community in Alaska is very, very tight, and and these guys they had been uh, they had they had found out about this. So uh, it was that particular group of riders who had put this memorial there on the side of the road uh, because that story had impacted them in such a way.
0: Wow! So it's not even the guy that did it. It's not the guy who like Jim, his buddy who died. I think he died in a motorcycle accident, didn't he? yeah uh, um, it's his ashes that are spread up there and then some other motorcyclists from alaska they're the ones that put up the plaque
1: it's the worldwide brotherhood wow right yeah. it's the world it's a worldwide feather um fellowship sorry and i don't, I don't want to just make it sound like it yeah. is it is for guys only because we have some very good uh riders who are sisters too uh but so this had been put there and I had completely found it by accident. And I, I just, I can't tell you how it moved me. Like I, like I must've stood there standing, staring at it for 20 minutes, like realizing like of the eventual, the eventual odometer that would click over to say 4,000 miles I rode in the entire state. One place that I stopped to take a picture had this. I had no idea that it was there. Now I had read the story of this guy's, uh, tragedy losing his friend and him and him scattering his his ashes somewhere <laughs> but i didn't know that i was standing on that spot oh so you already knew the story you, you, when you read it you recognize it as a story that you already knew i knew something of it but i hadn't actually put together the whole entire thing cuz oh, like so. when you when you stumble upon this you're not pulling back into the deep reaches of your mind yeah. but i yeah so i so i just like i, I just like my complete serendipity to walk up on this. I was absolutely blown away, blown away. And I rode, and when I got back on, on my bike, I probably was in second gear for like half an hour, just taking all of that in, you know, I was like, th- this is absolutely incredible, you know? And I'm, and, and I hope that it still remains as pure in my mind and it's not covered with, covered with, covered with, um, stickers and, and that kind of thing. Like I, I, it it just, it just was this impactful thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, so I make my way all the way back down to Toke, um, and it had started raining. (laughs) And so I get back to this very, very, very cool campground and she had, um, she had the sauna uh, fired up for me. So I, so I went from like freezing wet, cold to 95 degrees and like, like that. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) And so I'm sitting there and, and there was this other group of writers who were actually staying there, it, it was, it was father's day. Um, so it was uh, this time, um, last year. Um, and I'm sitting there with other writers and like, Oh yeah, didn't you know that that was such and such, such, and such. And so I started putting this together, sitting there with other writers processing what I saw and that they knew about it because they were writers in this very small group of writers in this very, very big Beautiful state. And so like I really had just felt like I tied into something so incredibly powerful that one chance SOS message years ago on a motorcycle forum for somebody who happened to have the same motorcycle, not only got me the carb that I needed when I needed it, not only got me the coil that I needed it different time when I when I needed it, it was the same group of people that would eventually tie all these loose ends together for me to say that this is how tight the fellowship of riders is like once you straddle the bike and you accept the risk, you, you have really gotten into something much bigger than yourself. And there's no amount of binge watching programs at home. That's ever going to get you that, you know, like you have to actually do it to be part of it, you know? And so it was just like, like, I, like, I can't tell you. And so, but from there, I kind of made my way down, like I said, down to the Kenai, and I had my um, MotoQuest map, which is, um, which kind of tells you all of the routes that that um, that you can take and how you know what you can see. It had this little place called Anchor Point um, highlighted on it, and it said the westernmost point of the connected interstate system between the U.S. And uh, Canada, this is the westernmost point that you could drive to, and there was in fact a sign there that said that this is the westernmost point. Well, when you're traveling by yourself, you don't always want to pull out your tripod, so you, so, so you kind of try to take advantage of somebody who can, who can take a take a picture for you. And so I now keep in mind, I could have stopped to have gotten something to eat, I could have stopped and got gas, I could have stopped and got a flat, I could have, I could have, like any. Number of things could have pushed me plus or minus ten minutes of getting to Anchor Point when I did, and Anchor Point from Eagle is, gosh, I don't even want to take a guess, but it's probably greater than five hundred miles. It's it's a good it's it's a good ride down, and here I'm at Anchor Point. I'm looking for somebody to take my pictures, and these two guys on these bicycles are are coming up, and they look like they had been camping, and just kind of just in vacation mode, and so I didn't know if they were going to be interested in stopping their recreation to come and take a picture of me, but they actually kind of looked like they were interested in coming over to talk to me. So when I fogged them down, they came over and they, they, and they took my picture and, um, and they said, Hey, where, um, where are you from? So I had to answer that whole, <laughs> answer that whole story. <laughs> you
0: that. are, how, do,
1: um, how did you get here? How you know, Blah, blah, blah. And so they said, hey, did you ever hear of the Dust to Dawson rally? And I said, yes, I have. And I was hoping this would be the year that I actually get to do it because I had the time. <laughs> but obviously, you know, freedom of uh, travel, I, I i can't go into the Northwest Territory like I would actually like to. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I said, but it's funny you should mention that because I was just up in Eagle and I saw this tribute to – I saw – I saw the Adventure Riders Memorial. And when I got back to Toke, there were some other riders who explained to me how this was all, how Dust to Dawson got started was through this this whole circumstance that I just kind of basically sketched out for you. Mm -hmm. And they said we're the guys who started Dusted Dawson, and we poured the concrete for that memorial. Now at this oh, point, Jim, wow. at this point, you could have knocked me over with a feather, right? Cause like, wow. I'm like, I, like, here I am, you know, hundreds of miles away from where I found this thing, completely by accident, thousands of miles away from home. I don't know anybody, but I just met the two guys (laughs) who started the whole rally to commemorate the death of this, of, of, of this guy, why we love riding, why we love riding together, why we do it in the first place, why we celebrate each other doing it and coming together. And here are the two guys who not only started it, but helped to pour the concrete for that thing. And then it just unfolded to this like three day thing where I was hanging out with them on, um, at their campsite and just talking about, you know, racing, talking about um, motorcycles, talking about life, talking about anything you want to talk about, just to understand that, like, you know, you have really stepped into something much bigger than yourself. And it was so cool to have lived that. And, and again, like, like, you know, like what totally turned out to be this. This life-altering tragedy turns out to be this trip of a lifetime that would change me forever just by these serendipitous things happening, but then also putting yourself in a position where you're vulnerable to need things, you know, and then you actually get to meet people who who turned out to be – have amazing stories themselves. And people – like I said, people are informational, transactional creatures. You know, we love to use our use our wits to solve problems. We also love to tell stories and to recount and to remember and to have and to have sentimental thoughts um, about things. And you know, and my wife would say the fact that we have thoughts about our thoughts, which is called um, metacognition, um, is a very special thing that is only really known to happen for humans. And it's just this really special experience that I was having just because I was there and because of the circumstances and because of a plus or minus 10 minute window where I happened to pull up <laughs> <laughs> you know, like absolutely incredible. So, um, uh, anchor points about, I want to say 17 miles from Homer. So eventually, you know, we kind of moved campsites down to Homer, camped on the beach. Uh, so that, uh, picture that I sent with the tent, with the tent flap open and my riding boots, I'm um, hanging out, looking over the beach is just, me and just a complete state of serenity looking over the ocean in one of my favorite places in the world now because i got to experience it um uh, through what was what started off as a big tragedy in my life from a virus
0: (laughs) did you end up riding your bike home
1: no um so like i said my mother she was born in Canada. And so um, we have family there. So we're very, um, I guess, tied into how things are going over there. So we were very much aware that uh, the border was open for transit through Canada if you're going to your home of record and then a whole bunch of other stipulations followed right so Mm -hmm. it was not a for sure thing you couldn't just show up to the border and say let me through you have to let me through no they absolutely don't (laughs) have to let you through um but my dad was very very pressing he's like you're going up to Canada. you you are you are going up there you know coming back home is going to be um probably you need to be moving right you, you need to be moving at a good rate um and you don't want to get slowed down for rain. Cause I remember on the trip up there, I got hit with a day and a half of uh, cold rain and, then it just completely wiped me out. Um, so he's like, you need to be able to make a thousand miles rain or rain or shine. Why don't you just take, you know, take a couple thousand bucks and just buy a pickup truck when you get there and you can always just load, load up the bike and, and come home. turns out that was exactly the right thing that I needed to do. So our very good friends, um, they're, they have uh, three daughters and their uh, middle daughter, she was married to a soldier in uh, Fairbanks um, station there. So I got to see her and she she could help me work through the process, bought a pickup truck there and end up loading up the bike so that I could move through in an expeditious manner.
0: Mm, right. So after the trip, though, after you get home, what, what did you learn on the trip? What did you come out with? Perspective. Um, you. you yeah. Um,
1: empathy. Um not letting you the first pass exposure to something be your final judgment and analysis of it. Because like had someone told me June first, hey, tomorrow your job's gonna end <laughs> and you're gonna be completely without any options, I would have I would have I, I I just probably wouldn't even know how to react, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed to be able to, um, look at the circumstance for what it was like in a sense, like detach myself personally from my own storytelling about it. And I have to say that I listened to the episode from Annette Berkman over and over and over again until I actually got it. But you have to be able to, um, relax into that. Like, it's not something that you can change, you know, and anxiety and worry are all, future tense and anger over what somebody might have said to you or what somebody could have done or should have done or why didn't they give me any warning or I had, as far as I knew, I was a satisfactory employee as far as performance went, you know, um, you have to be able to detach your first reaction of being able to tell stories and, uh, you know, put that in a egotistically satisfactory way to just say this in fact happened, right? So present tense, what are your choices going to look like? If it's worry or anger, you're not in present tense, and that's what motorcycling teaches you And four thousand miles of it is pretty good is a pretty is a pretty good um experience and i I did send a couple of photos there I'm, I hope that they got through, but on the Dalton, I have my bike pulled over to the side of the road. There's a crack in the road that's as wide as your tire. and if you're not paying attention and you get off into the marbles that are on the side of of the road, and your front tire gets caught in that that's going to end your trip. If not your life, you know, so you have to be paying attention. There's another um, picture that I sent of my left foot down next to a, just like this opening in the road, that has got to be 16 inches by 18 inches. And if I, and if I jumped down into the hole, I probably wouldn't have touched the bottom of the hole and there it is in no. the middle of the road. So if I oh, was,
0: man, yeah.
1: And that would have grabbed a hold of your front tire and that would have been the end, you know? Yeah. Um, so if, so you've got to learn what motorcycling teaches you you've got to take the syllabus from your life and take it take it seriously you know as you see the world is the way you act in it and if you identify with just the acute pain and injury and sense of loss and, and you start getting all spun up in worry and and into anger again you, th- there's very few solution sets that come from that that are going to be healthy
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: you know you're probably going to do something that you're going to to regret or say something you're going to regret or ruin a, a relationship. Um, and, and, and just the, the, those, there's just no redemption from that, you know, but, um, like my buddy who, who had helped me out with the coil and and the carb said, um, when you take the lemons and you turn them into lemonade, um, you you can get something there, you know, and, and you can even have something left at the end to then turn around and reach back and help somebody else.
0: Mm
1: But that's not going to come from, uh, you know, sending some, some unfiltered message through an email or, you know, <laughs> or, 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 or you know, or posting your complete really raw thoughts on a video and posting it, you know, like, 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 that's not going to get you where you need to go.
0: It's almost what you're describing is reaction. You know, like it's, it's, um, you, you're learning not to react to have, um, sort of a, a delay, I guess, which, which I always think is a good idea. There's some sort of delay. Wait till you, wait till the emotion, that initial emotion drains off and then you tend to have a better perspective of it. That's sort of what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. There has to be some kind of plan. And then in the military, we say a plan is only good until somebody starts um, shooting at you because that person gets a vote in your plan too, you know, yeah, that's uh, true but, but, uh there has to be some kind of plan you you, you have to have some kind of um, uh, commitment to filling up your own gas tank so that when you get to the place where you need to draw upon those reserves, you have them to draw upon. you know it, it, you 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 can't help somebody else if you yourself need help. You can't help somebody with their own oxygen mask if you haven't put your own your your own on first. and so, um. I, I completely walked away with a different view of mental health from two thousand twenty than I had going into it. As a biology major, you know, I was always into the quote heart science and that and that kind of stuff. I completely came away with a different outlook and appreciation for what what professionals like my own wife do. It it just is absolutely crucial. It's absolutely um Probably the biggest thing from this pandemic is not the economics, not the not the supply chain, not the travel restrictions, not even the acute fallout for the respiratory um, distress from people who would eventually succumb to the pathogen. It's the mental health fallout from people being very social creatures and not being able to get that mm. need met.
0: And also having so much time to, well, I think you said it was called metacognition where you're, where you're, um, analyzing your thoughts, thinking about your thoughts. I mean, that that can be very cruel and we all do it.
1: It can be cruel if it is unguided, you know, Mm -hmm. you need, you need, you need someone else there who's been further down the road than you to come back and say, well, I've looked around that corner and here's my takeaway. You know, if you get caught up in your own head about this, that, and the other, you start saying angry things, you start doing all these immediately cathartic things that make you feel better just at the moment, just these lower lower brainstem reactions, you're not going to be advancing yourself to then get out of that ditch that you're in. You can Mm. put up a great rooster of mud that you're throwing behind your back tire, but you're not getting out of that ditch. All you're doing is just spinning your own wheels. And so it takes... A mental health professional to elucidate that, you know, because like I said, people are animals and animals move away from painful stimuli and they move towards resources and they are going to act strangely when they are scared or when they're hurt. Um, but it's that being able to have thoughts about your thoughts, to be able to communicate with a language, being able to, um, you know, use those uh, scientific things to be able to measure and um, have a, have a hypothesis about an outcome and those kinds of things that really are what makes us different. And I think really what makes us unique and the fact that humans feel pain is in sense is in a sense 2 edged, right? It's the ability to experience joy and love and beyond and belonging, but it's also the ability to be incredibly vulnerable and to be hurt. You know, you can't have one without the other, you know you don't get to you, you, you don't get to the top of Vatican Pass without first taking the risk to straddle the bike. you know and it's the fact that there that we get to have that means of having a motorcycle and to put that in a more philosophical sense, the means of being human, the ability to be human, that gives us the ability to feel joy. like the Dalton for me, when I went up it, First of all, I, I want to be very forthcoming and say that I had a, a completely amazing weather window there and back that was, um, that was unspoiled and beautiful and very hard to predict. And there was, like I said, about a dozen trucks that I saw on the way up and the way back. So um, those circumstances were very favorable. But I got onto that road with the commitment in my mind that I would turn around at any time, that I would not be so committed no, so stubborn, so bullheaded about reaching the top to get my photo op that I was going to do anything and put myself at risk and those people who love me counting on me to get back home again to their ultimate ultimate disappointment and sorrow if something were to happen to me to go do something that I was so committed to that I couldn't walk away from at any time. It wasn't that valuable to me. Mm -hmm. And when I got to see what I thought was just an industrial road through the, you know, through the, uh, through the north parts of the inland of Alaska to the northern slope and then down the backside. I, I had I had no idea. I had I had no context. I had seen pictures, but pictures do not do that road justice. And hopefully someday I'll be able to do the same thing on the on the Dempster, and to be able to see all of the raw beauty there. But to be able to experience the joy. Of seeing something so pristine and so beautiful as the interior and the North Slope, and um, if I had to just had to dis describe the road from Adigan Pass going to about Ice Cut or Happy Valley, like I said, the last eighty miles in my in my opinion is just for for the photo op, um, but that road was just so incredible. Like I could have ridden that road to the end of, of the earth, which ultimately is what you get to. <laughs> but I could have ridden that road forever. I really, it was just like, I have to describe it as like, uh, it, it's almost like John Denver was commissioned to build a road through through the shire. Like it was just just this amazing green rolling scape and just these lazy big old turns and these it just the just the view of the tundra is unbelievable, and to be able to get that i i would have never seen that on a vacation time schedule. I just wouldn't have had the time to give myself the ability to have a uh, have a no hard stop window to approach the to approach the Dalton. Like I've seen plenty of entries on the forum where it's like, Oh, I have three days and I'm going to do the Dalton. And, and it's just like it, it, the fact that it's 500 miles, don't let that, don't let that number stay in your mind. Cause those are 500 expert miles. Th- those are 500 miles. Unlike any other 500 miles, like you have got to be paying attention all the time. Cause that road can end your life at any moment. But what you get for that Accepting that kind of, of of risk and for approaching it with the proper maintenance to your own bike is you get to see that and you get to you get to experience that. What do
0: your kids think of uh, of you going off and doing these trips?
1: I don't know. I don't know they quite have the context to understand, first of all, why Dad would would do it or what's up there to even see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that they really um, have any kind of framework for that
0: would you come back and give them a, like a, like a slideshow or something like that and say, Hey, this is what I just did. You know, for
1: 2020, our family did something that was kind of, uh, meaningful. You know, like I said, humans want to talk about things and tell stories about things and feel like they know things and they can share things. It's just kind of what makes us human. Sure. So in our, there's a particular hallway in our house that has to get remodeled anyhow. Um, so what we started doing was during the quarantine, like it's just the five of us, like what else are you going to do? You have to socially distance or stay home. So so in the Rocky Mountains, that's worked out great because you can just grab your fishing rods and you can socially distance just fine. <laughs> right. And so we started to do these things as a family because like we were the only other five people that we were ever seeing, and so we would get we would take pictures, and then at this point, you know commerce had drastically changed, there was a lot of great sales going on for things like online photos. And so we would just submit our photos and get them developed. And then we'd get these three by five prints and we would hang them on the wall and we oh, would like nice. tell the story of the quarantine as we saw it, like us making us baking something at home or us making a craft at home or us going fishing or us doing all these other things. Like I taught my kids how to start, how to start, stop, shift, ride on an, on an XR 100 because well, well, we had the time to, you know, mm-hmm. and so we, we we had this whole kind of collage of pictures on the wall, and my Alaska trip kind of melds in there because it's part of that era, and it helps to tell the story. So I can walk by, and if they're interested, I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell them. But no, I didn't do a uh, mandated tour, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't I really don't know what they would think or how they would process it. But I believe that they. Saw their dad leave pretty broken and watched their dad come back in a much more whole state um, and I couldn't and i can't take the absolutely can't take the credit for that. I have to give credit to the inmates that excuse me um inmates is a term of people on the a d v rider forum <laughs> <laughs> sorry um other riders who took me under their wing parts tools um, uh, the history of the of the memorial that I completely found by accident, um, y- you know, like all of that in the collective came back to me a thousandfold for um the decision to um under duress book a book a train and plane ticket that were in that were incongruent within space and time <laughs> that turned out to work out. Um You know, it's it's just one of those things where you have to look back and say, you know, I made that, I made it through. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I really enjoy, um, the way that all processed out. You know, that bit of suffering turned out to be some of the best mental furniture that I have. You know, because of the help that i received the perspective that i got the time and space away on my bike that i got the visor time um yeah it's it, it 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 all adds up to where the um the whole is bigger than the sum of the parts you know like i i couldn't script that out to somebody like oh you just lost your job here's what you do yeah. uh Book a train ticket doesn't quite match with the play ticket that you bought, but don't worry. Call your friend who's stuck in, <laughs> stuck on a different continent trying to get home. <laughs> Ask if you can borrow their
0: truck. Yeah, yeah, like it just wouldn't work out. But, but, but in the end, in the end, Donovan is—is is it a—is it a fix or is it a tonic? Let me think about that. I think it's a work
1: in progress, and we. Value things that we work at. Um, Simon Sinek, I believe he is a Canadian um, motivational speaker. He, he he does some pretty good talks on his YouTube channel. He gave the illustration of if he was to give a thousand dollars to a inner city uh, kind of like housing rehab project. Or, if he was to give a Saturday and go there and paint himself, which of those two things would somebody in the retelling of the story who's listening to that find more valuable? Mm-hmm. The fact that he just wrote a check and then went up and then went about his own life, or the fact that he went down there and rolled up his own sleeves and got dirty and did the thing to make somebody else's life better,
0: of course, you know yeah.
1: so the thing that we redeem, the thing that we work at, the thing that we put effort into is ultimately the thing that we value, you know, like I, like I have a bunch of motorcycles that I've rehabbed now since I've gotten much better at wrenching on them. Um, and I value those a whole lot more than if I went down and wrote a check for a brand new KTM, you know, not that a brand new KTM would somehow hurt my feelings. I just (laughs) find the ones that I worked at to go through parts catalogs to go on the forums and ask people who have had these old bikes where you find this, that, and the other, what's the torque spec for this? Cause the manual just is not printed anymore. Through that process. When you're back on some fire road, taking in some beautiful Vista and you're on that bike, you, you value it more, you know, you don't, you don't have to, um, it, it, I mean, it's not required, but it just makes it all the more, impressive. So I don't know if anything ever really gets fixed, like totally ever done. It's always, it's always going to take some tinkering and then therefore is the value, if that makes sense.
0: Donovan, thank you very much. It was really fun talking with you. Thank you, Jim. I,
1: I want to say thank you to you uh, for all that you do for us writers who um, have to go to our day jobs. <laughs> you know, I, I have gotten so much from your podcast. I I just like the stories of other people on there. I've just found so inspiring um, and so widely applicable. And I just wanted to say thank you for, for curating all of that content. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much for saying that. Wow, wow.
0: Was Donovan Lucibello, or Nurse Ratchet as he likes to be called. We've got some photos from Donovan's adventure in the show notes for this episode on our website, AdventureWriterRadio.com. <laughs> that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, of course. Thank you very much for listening and being a part of the show through that. Hey, if you're not doing it already, we would love to get your support for Adventure Rider Radio. It is built on a model of some advertising and listener support to make the whole thing work. Don't wait for everybody else to do it because they're not. We need you. Drop by our website, AdventureRiderRadio.com and click on support. The other thing I'd love it if you do, if you give us a five-star review anywhere you find Adventure Rider Radio. It helps other people find the show. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much once again. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Helge Pedersen, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.